Hey guys, welcome back to Mickey Mike's Up. This week we are going to be talking all things NWSL. That even includes my special guest who happens to work for an NWSL team. I'm super glad that she was able to join me and you'll have to stick around until the interview to find out who she is and what exactly she does. With that being said, I have two announcements. One, the giveaway winner has been picked and I will be announcing it at the end of this episode. Also, next week there will be no new episode, so let's call it a mid-season hiatus or whatever. Um, I move into school next Thursday and have a super jam-packed weekend with move-in week stuff, so I will be taking a break so that I can actually enjoy it. And then I will have a lot of college stuff to talk about once we come back. But in two weeks, I will be back with another episode, and my roommate will be on, and we are going to talk about our first week of living together and how it went. With that being said, we're going to get right into the NWSL this past week because a lot went down. Now, I love to recap the games and get super in-depth with them, but this week I do not have as much time for that as I normally would because I am recording this on a bit of a time crunch. Today is my going away party, so I'm just going to do what I did last week and give a brief overview of each game because there are a bit more pressing matters to talk about in the NWSL. Um, this week was not really different than any other week in the NWSL because shit really hit the fan. There was a lot of chaos and not a lot of communication on the league's end. Obviously, I understand that fans can't know everything that's going on, and there is going to be a bit of hush-hush when things are still being worked out. But um, when the same issues keep reappearing and the same silence is met, it does get a bit frustrating because we want what's best for the players. And I know that ultimately the league wants that as well, but... The route that they're going down, it doesn't really seem like that's the case. Um, There were a lot of problems with roughing, coaching, and the league hiring some outside organizations. So we're going to dive on to all three of those things, and we will, you know, talk about the games a little bit after. Now, obviously, when it comes to games, the most important part of the game is player safety. Yeah, things are going to be rough. Yeah, there's going to be tackles. It, It happens. But when a ref isn't able to properly control a game, it really becomes dangerous. Um, And we saw that this past week in more than one game, but specifically the Chicago-Orlando game. There were two incidents, one with Sidney LaRue and one with Taylor Korniak, where they should have been Reds. And they weren't. And the ref just kind of brushed it aside. Instead of giving the player who made a reckless tackle a Red, they gave the bench who were rightfully outraged because their player was injured, um, a yellow card. So the Chicago bench had a yellow card, but the Orlando Pride did not get a red card. And the thing is that this stuff continuously happens, and the players shouldn't have to take to Twitter and, you know, call it out because their safety should be a number one priority. Um, After the game, Danny Calaprico, who is now questionable for the game, I think, got... was tweeting videos of or quote tweeting videos of the tackle saying that this stuff shouldn't be allowed in the league because it's reckless and it shouldn't and because of the game and the the ref not you know properly handling things Morgan Gatra and Danny are both questionable and so is Aaron Wright who was also taken down during the game and so player safety really needs to become more of a priority because it should be the number one thing and the ref, I don't really know what kind of vetting process they go through to obtain a refing position, but clearly there needs to be a little bit more looked into it because some of these refs just are not good. 
and they let things fly and you can tell that there's bias for teams and it's ridiculous how someone who is supposed to make sure that games stay safe easily lets things slip away that everybody can tell is a foul or everybody can tell should be a red card. If the fans at home, who some of them don't even fully understand soccer, can tell that something's a red card, it probably should be a red card. And instead of the NWSL dealing with this properly, there will probably just be a fine given to Danny for taking to Twitter and probably a fine given to Rory for talking about it in the after the game presser, which I think is one of the biggest issues. Um, if players are coming to Twitter to talk about an issue, obviously they're worried for their safety and the control of a game. And so instead of, you know, finding the players, you should take the money from the other fines that you've given to players and put it into investing in better refs. I definitely think that there is going to be something done about it soon because a lot of players have had issues with it and spoken publicly about it as well as coaches and the commissioner of the league, Lisa, she said that they will definitely be talking to pro ref about, you know, what they can do, but it should have been a dealt with after the first person called about about it and it's not like this is a new issue in the league there's been refs that are still refing in the league and I think everybody knows who I'm talking about there's one ref who should not have a job as a ref anymore like it's been an ongoing issue for years now and things are still not being dealt with so as much as I want to believe them when they said they're going to do something about it they probably won't. Also, I do normally script this a little bit more than usual. I'm kind of just going off the fly right now. So, sorry in advance. Um, I know I should have said that before the entire ref section, but sorry if I was super duper repetitive and didn't specifically call out names. This week has been crazy with work, so I didn't have a lot of time to plan it out. But I promise when we're back in two weeks, it will be back to the normal format of my first few episodes. Next, we are going to be addressing coaching. So on Tuesday, the NWSL Washington Spirit team announced that head coach Richie Burke was resigning due to health concerns. And once, you know, his health concerns were gone, he would take a front office role. And then a few hours later, there was a report that he had a pattern of verbal abuse, including racially insensitive jokes and used the n-word and was just not a good guy to be around as a player. Um, the team announced that it was suspending him and conducting an, an investigation into the allegations. And so that one poses the question of were the health concerns even a thing or did they know this and were covering it up hoping they wouldn't get caught? And two, these aren't new allegations. When he was signed as a coach... They knew that he had abuse allegations for a youth team. So why would it be any different for a pro team? And so it poses the question of NWSL player safety again. Like so many players came forward talking about how they deserve better and that they left the spirit. And so I would definitely recommend checking out the Washington Post article. Um, Kaya McCullough, uh, she talked about her experience there and how it basically made her hate soccer and that she heard a lot of things that nobody should be saying especially when you put into context everything that was going on last year with the Black Lives Matter protests he is just not a good guy and um, it shouldn't have taken this long for him to 
be removed from this position because when someone holds that amount of power, they're going to abuse it in ways that they definitely should not. And he took it to the extremes and they said that he would get in players' faces and yell at them. And it definitely, like, looking back at things, you can tell that, like, players were afraid to have fun and make mistakes because they were afraid of the repercussions that would come from him. Two other players, along with Kaya, spoke out to the Washington Post about the abusive treatment that they received from him as a head coach. Basically, he would call them a waste of space and other not very good terms. He also um, had a history of using homophobic slurs, and so he wasn't just racist. He's not just, you know, a bad guy. No, like, he's a really bad person, and he should not have the position that he did. After the Spirit hired him in 2018, former players on a youth team he coached um, came out with, a, you know, an article saying that he used the F-word about them multiple times in homophobic ways, and the Spirit said that they investigated those allegations and decided that he was still good enough to be head coach. And he has not said anything about either of the investigations that went on about him, but what is the hiring process for these coaches? Because this is not the first time this has happened. There are other coaches in the league who have had similar situations, and there's even one coach right now who is currently coaching a team, and there's definitely an imbalance of power there because of how he coached at his previous team. And so it really is, again, player safety called into effect about, you know, why is the NWSL not taking allegations like this seriously? Because the allegations about Richie Burke came about, you know, right away. Like, it's not like these things are new. And Kaya was on the team over, a little over a year ago. So if that was her story a year ago, which, you know, she made known, it's not like it was something kept hush-hush. She is very vocal on Twitter, which I, I applaud her for immensely. And... You know, so if these things are known, why is it taking it until now for it to be dealt with? Like, what was the final thing to tip the scale into the NWSL finally feeling like they needed to deal with it? In good news, I guess, with him being out, obviously things will hopefully get better at Washington for the players. But also it opens up another position for a woman to come in and coach and Back to Kaya. Kaya said that the best time she played soccer was under a woman being a coach. So hopefully more women will come in to coach the league. Right now there's um, Freya at Gotham, Casey at uh, San Diego, Becky Burley is currently the interim coach for Orlando, and then there will be open positions for LA, um, Portland, and now the Spirit. So hopefully we can fill those roles with women and have a mostly women, you know, dump. Oh, I forgot Laura Harvey is coaching the rain too. So that's four women out of the, you know, teams right now. And so hopefully those three other teams that have open spots will be filled with women because in a women league, you should have women being the coaches because they understand things in a different way. And, you know, not that they're going to be, you know, easier on the players because it's it's intense. You want to win. You want to play your best. But it definitely will help with a lot of things I think and I also do think that front office of the NWSL like the the league commissioner and her team definitely need to you know rethink what they're doing and if they don't rethink things soon I definitely think that you know things need to be changed um 
back to just like the coaching and stuff in the league again, Megan Klingenberg, who I think everybody knows who she is, but a really, you know, been around the league for a long time, tweeted a statement saying that we deserve better. Um, I'm not going to read it all because it is very long, but she basically said that as a victim of emotional and verbal harassment by an owner in a previous league, she knows how draining and traumatizing it is dealing with the abuse. It's all more difficult when you're trying to continue playing at a high level, and on top of that, you feel scared that your career will be derailed by an abuser in power. In a league where pay is super unstable and these players have to work multiple other jobs to you know, keep their livelihood going... It is really scary to think that if they spoke out in the wrong way, their career could have been terminated just like that. And so that's why they don't really speak out because it is really scary. And the NWSL needs to make it a much safer place for things like that to happen because they should not be worried about, you know, what's going to happen to them if they speak out against the abuse that they've been facing. Um, It's not just something that's happened at one club. It's systematic and it needs to be held accountable And so Kling said, we deserve better, do better. Um, A lot of players, you know, retweeted that, quoted it, saying exactly. Gabby Seiler spoke out about it. She even, Gabby Seiler even wore a shirt to the game the other day saying athletes are humans too. And so it's definitely an issue that more than one player thinks is true. And it's not something that is going to go away because these players are getting fed up as they should. Things need to be dealt with. And... I really hope that there is, you know, an outcome and, you know, the league starts heading in a better direction soon. Now, we're going to quickly dive into the games. So, last Saturday, Gotham played North Carolina at home. North Carolina won with a goal from Meadow Speck in the 38th minute. Not a super crazy game. Um, It definitely seemed like Gotham was going to get another one up, but they weren't able to find a win um, Washington played Portland, um, Washington played Portland at Segra Field, which is where Washington Spirit has played a few of their games. Portland won with a goal from Simone Charlie in the 29th minute. Obviously, there was a lot going on for the Spirit that week, and, you know, Segra Field is not a super great place for them to play from what I have seen, so, you know, the, the game was pretty good. Um, nothing crazy happened there either. This next game was wild, though. The Rain versus Houston Dash. Um, the Rain won 5-1. to one. Bethany Balser scored in the 6th minute, and then she scored in the 45th minute. Uh, Sofia Huerta scored in the 19th minute. Lisa Mayer scored in the 35th minute. And Jess Fishlock scored in the 42nd minute. So that first half was full of goals for the Rain. Um, Houston's goal, I don't remember who thought that they scored it, but it was later deemed an own goal for Alana Cook. Um, the rain really controlled this game, and I just think that it was because they're getting back into their groove again. Laura Harvey was in the stands for them, and Houston just had the unfortunate timing of playing them when they were finally clicking into place. Next was the Louisville, um, Kansas City game. Louisville scored, um... 3-1, to they won, and Ebony Salmon scored in the 42nd minute. Nadia Nadim scored in the 55th minute, which it's great to see her back in the NWSL. We love it. Um, Jaina Matthews scored in the 86th minute, and Darian Jenkins scored for Kansas City in the 9th minute of stoppage time for the first half. So, obviously, it was a super messy game, and lots happened, but, you know, 
it was pretty good overall. I still really feel bad for Kansas City that they haven't been able to find a win. And at this point in the season, it's so late for them to get their first win that I don't really think it'll do much for their team morale. Um, also, in terms of Louisville, we really need to um, free Jorian. I don't know why she she was it was a home game and she wasn't even dressed and so that's definitely something to look into and I hope that she can find a better environment for the team soon or you know something needs to change at Louisville and I think that it starts with the head coach Um, because even Yuki Nagasato tweeted that team chemistry relies on trust and when that's coming from a veteran player like her you know that there's something fishy going on Um, The other game that happened was the Orlando Pride-Chicago game, which is where there was the issues with the refing. Um, Orlando did win 2-0. Jody Taylor scored in the 15th minute, and Sydney LaRue scored in the 89th minute. Chicago had more shots and more shots on target and had a better game, I feel like, but they had a lot of um, injuries that plagued them because of reckless tackles, and so they weren't able to get a win at home um the current standings are portland in first with 28 points north carolina in second with 21 points those two are locked in for the semifinals as of right now obviously there's still time for a lot to change and gotham if they win this weekend and north carolina loses could easily take that second place spot because gotham is in third um gotham orlando and chicago are in third fourth and fifth place with the same amount of points but because of gold difference gotham is in third and then Washington is in sixth, sixth place, rounding out the final series playoff. Um, I really think that we can see the rain come up into one of these top six places in the next few weeks, and it'll be really exciting to see that happen. That's all I have for the NWCL section today. Sorry I didn't get super into depth with things, but there is... Hey guys, um, by now you've made it to the end of the episode and we have a super special guest joining us today. So Bianca, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we get into some questions. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Bianca Barrar. I'm a digital content marketing producer for the Houston Dash and I am very happy to be here. So super exciting. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Um, we're just going to get right into the questions. So how did you get into working in media and like specifically the soccer aspect of it? Yeah, so I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up. It was kind of like bouncing around. It was like doctor, vet for a while when I was younger. And then I realized uh, that involved school and I was not excited for that. <laughs> and then in middle school, I started getting into like editing videos and pictures. And I thought maybe I'll be like a filmmaker or something um my parents did not like that idea um they're very like stability why uh they think more about like stability rather than like you know passion which is understandable um they came from the philippines so i can i can see where they thought that um so i mean going into college like high school and college i didn't know what i wanted to do i figured business if all else fails um but the dash became an expansion team my sophomore year of high school i think i don't know it feels like so long ago but um that once they came in, like I wanted to be around the team in any way possible. I, I was a season ticket holder. I was going to all the events. I was a game day volunteer. I even shadowed the GM at one point before I graduated. Um, so that was kind of just where soccer wise, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I played growing up too and watched, you know, the national team and things like that. But it wasn't until I physically had a professional women's team in my city that I was like this I like this is real I had no idea what part of the business I wanted to be part of but I knew I wanted to be involved in some way um 
So I went to school going, I went to school for business uh, in San Diego and then got, ended up being able to work with the women's team there, the division one program. Um, I was the manager there for four years. And on top of a lot of other things that I was doing there, I also got to work on social medias and work with the athletic marketing department on a lot of things. So that was really fun. And then fortunately for me, a internship opened up with the Dash uh, the summer before my senior year. Ended up getting that. It was a great time. Um, I learned a lot. And then again, fortunately enough, they opened a position in their digital department the spring semester before my graduation. And I ended up getting the job three days after I graduated. And I've been That's awesome. <laughs> Everything just kind of fell right into place for you. It just yeah. the, the right doors open at the right time. I know. I'm so, so fortunate. Sometimes I'm like, that really did work out with the way I wanted it to. So I can't complain too much. So you said that you um, you were the manager for your college's soccer team. So how did that come into play? Like, how did you find that role? Um, yeah, so it's funny because my friend Jenny, uh, some people may know her. She's a photographer. Uh, she's done a lot of national team stuff and like uh, works really closely with USC women's soccer. Um, we both wanted to get into soccer, get into sports, whatever way we could. Again, neither of us knew how, but she had the idea to reach out the summer before we started college um, to the head coaches of our respective programs and ask if they needed like a volunteer manager or like an assistant or something like that, um, just to help behind the scenes with like anything they needed. Um, we didn't really know what we wanted to help with, but we did want to be involved in any way we could. Um, and we knew other big programs had soccer managers. So we, were, we just sent a nice little email and both of us heard back and it all just ended up working out. That's awesome. That's definitely something that I will have to look into, even though I work at a, I'm, I work at, I'm going to a school. <laughs> Maybe I'll work there. Who knows? Maybe you will. You don't know. But no, that's really awesome. Um, how did, you know, like working with the soccer team there really like, you know, change your perspective on like what you thought me a media job was like, or open your eyes to other jobs that you thought like weren't possible? Yeah, so for my experience, I kind of was doing everything. They had never had a soccer manager before, so they, in a lot of aspects, didn't really know what to do with me, so I was kind of doing a little bit of everything from, like, equipment to, like, team meals, like, admin stuff, and then also running the social media because we, our athletic department wasn't huge yet, so we weren't exactly doing a, we didn't have a marketing department running the social media, so they kind of just handed it off to me, and they're like, you're young, here you go, um, good luck, but <laughs> From there, it was kind of like taking note of like other like big programs. Like I would look a lot at Stanford, UCLA, those programs, seeing what they're doing and taking that into doing what I could on our end and just realizing that that in itself was a whole job that like you could do on your own. Like it didn't need to be like, it wasn't just an extra like, oh, let's give someone the social media. It was like, we need a team for this. Um, that was kind of where I was like, oh, this is like a legitimate career. Like this is, you can do this for teams and get paid for it. And I yeah. obviously wasn't, but it was a good experience. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, since working with the Dash, I know you have, you talked a little bit about how like you went to the games when the team first started. And so you've kind of been involved since the beginning, but what are some of the things that have stood out to you as a fan versus working there? Like what has been your favorite differences and stuff? I don't know. I, I know that fans are very loyal. Like I, I've been in those shoes. I know that there are a lot of frustrations and things that you feel like should be done differently or done better. And like being on the team side of things now, it's 
not as simple as everyone thinks it is. And there are a lot of moving parts. And I think what I want people to know is there are people behind the scenes in the trenches fighting for a lot of things that fans would hope to see and want to see. And uh, it's, it's a lot harder than it looks to work for a soccer team and make sure everything goes smoothly and things like that. So give a little love to the teams that are trying. So were that, was that something that like you didn't necessarily like realize when you were a fan and now that you're in that role, you're like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, no, it feels, I feel like as a fan and even still like for the teams I'm a fan of now, like it feels like you can fix so many problems. If like the answer is so simply like, oh, just do this, this and this. And then you get into it and you're like, oh, it's not that simple. Like there are a lot of things that you have to do to get to where you want to go. So in your, in your office, your little bubble of work, um, how many of you are like from the area that like have supported the team from the start? Cause I know that like, that's kind of like Houston's whole like thing is that they're very like homegrown to the city and stuff like that. So how does that come into play with like staff and for you personally? Yeah. Um, I can't speak to the whole organization, but for the most part, our marketing and communications department, all like a big, like all, majority of us are from Houston um, to start with and majority of us are soccer fans to the core. So having that and like putting those two things together, like we do, I think everyone who's from Houston has a lot of, a lot of love for the city and a lot of love for soccer. And most importantly, a lot of love for the dash. I think something really special about it because obviously we have two clubs we have to handle at the same time to make sure we're getting things done for both of them. But I have noticed it's a very conscious effort to make sure that the dash, especially in the, the more recent years I've been here is part of as much of the forefront as the dynamo um, just like on every end that we can make it work. But having people who are from the city and know the city and know the people of the city is huge when I think when it comes to marketing I think and like it's it's growing and it's getting better and I think we really have a lot of potential tapping into all the markets in the city. Yeah I think that that's really awesome that you guys pair so often with the Dynamo because a lot of like other NWSL teams have MLS teams like close by and like don't Mm -hmm. do anything with it like Gotham literally plays at Red Bull and there's never like campaigns with the team and so that's something that I think a lot of other NWSL teams should really try to like market and brand more because you do get more like more of a draw I feel like because like there's a lot of people who only watch the men and maybe they don't even know the women exist so right I mean it was it was quite a process because I remember when I was a fan at first like the first couple years it wasn't as uh cohesive but I think especially I think starting in 2020 we decided to run our hold it down campaign which involved both clubs and like it kind of started our one club mentality and I think a lot of teams try and I know sometimes they're not as successful because of other factors but having a team that backs us and wants to actually support us in any way they can is huge. Yeah it's really awesome to see like how supportive everyone seems in the Houston like the player staff both the men and women side of things it really does seem like a good like unit. Yeah for sure no it's great. So with like your job like take me through like a typical day of like a game day versus a normal just like office day I guess <laughs> yeah um so normal or I'll start with game day because those are fun <laughs> um, but I mean I usually will won't come into the office if it's a weekday and then on the weekends like I, I start my day at home but I really like those days because I kind of get time to myself time to just kind of chill before the game do 
my own thing, run some errands. I every game day, like the good morning game day posts are always scheduled for me just in case because I am very afraid of like missing it or like forgetting. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, once those are done, I kind of like keep myself online just to make sure I'm not missing anything. And if my team needs me, um, I'm like just a message away. But maybe like three or four hours before kickoff, I'll head to the stadium. It depends on the day and what's going on and traffic and stuff. But I'll head to stadium around then um, and try to kind of just like get myself set. Um, Hopefully I have lineups by then. So we send them off to graphics to get those things sorted out. Um, And then the team usually arrives about two hours before kickoff. um, And we, me and the photographer and videographer go out to get photos and video content of the girls. As you know, they do love a good uh, arrival photo. (laughs) So those are always fun. I think everybody loves the arrival photo. Yeah, no, they've they've definitely warmed up to it. We've been doing, we started doing them, I think, when I started two years ago, and like it was, it was a work in progress, but they're definitely feeding into it now. <laughs> but once that's done, I head up to, I have a little radio booth that I get uh, with COVID protocols just so I can work, um, and I'll drop lineups an hour before, go through arrivals, start posting content on our socials just to get everyone excited for the game. And then one uh, literally right after that warm up starts, so I'm running down to the field and just getting the content that I can. Um, I'm so lucky that we have a team that's very playful and loves to play to the camera and is very comfortable in front of the camera. I think it makes my job a lot easier. Um, but yeah, warm ups depending on the day, post a couple or whatever, and then run back up to the radio booth and tweet the game from there while making sure we're hitting like all our sponsored posts and keeping an eye on socials in case. There's something that's going wrong, things like that. And if there's a goal, like pulling that, just all all of those things at once. Like it sounds like a lot, but I think I've gotten into a rhythm enough to where I'm like, this is not a big deal. Like I'm just chilling. But um if it's a good result, I'll go down to the field and get post-game stuff and get some interaction with the fans since they can do that now with uh, masks and stuff. And then after it's a long evening for me. Um getting any content that we have, getting recap, doing the post-game press conference, and then I go home maybe like at midnight, depending on the day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's a long day, but it's really fun. Um, I love game days though. So. Now, real quick, you said that you get the lineups and you send it off to like the graphics team. So you're just the one like pushing everything out or do you help yes. contribute to making the graphics? Um, for the most part, I just push everything out. Um, we have an incredible creative team. We have graphic designers that take care of everything. Like everything you see that looks cool is definitely not me. <laughs> I'll say that right now. Like I can never be as creative as they are, but uh, like we have content meetings and like when we like talk about content and kind of like form ideas. So that's where I contribute. Other than that, I kind of just give them something and I'm like, go. <laughs> awesome. So um, back to the day in your life kind of thing. I know that you you do a lot of TikToks about that. So that's why I was like, this would be a good, a good question because it's really interesting to watch those. So on non-game days, like what is your day like? Yeah, um, usually I start my day going to training early in the morning um, because I live far, a little far from the facility. So it takes a little bit to get there, but I'll start my day there. Uh, kind of grab, depending on the day, grabbing content or kind of just working from inside the facility. Um, and then if we have content from photo or video, going through those and seeing what's best and sometimes catching up with players to like plan out content that we want to film with them. Or if there's something going on that they need to know, like I'll push out something for them. And then 
once that's done, I head to the office and I usually have a couple of meetings throughout the day, just on the, on Zoom or not Zoom team. We use Teams, we're a Microsoft company, um, but yeah, hop on Teams. And uh, sometimes it's kind of ridiculous because we have all, everyone in the office and maybe one person's not in the office, but we still like all jump on um, Teams. <laughs> like, They're really funny. Yeah, it's like so weird, but it's hilarious. You all have to like um, go sit in different rooms so that there's no like feedback. Uh, sometimes, or we'll just hop on, if like multiple people are in the same room, we'll just hop on one just so it's easier. That makes um, sense. Yeah, no, I do, like, it's nice though being in the office with people again, because we like, it's so much easier just to like come up with ideas or like bounce like things off of each other. Um, yeah. We'll go out to lunch sometimes depending on the day and then go home at like five or six. So it's pretty, pretty chill day. So on like non-game days, it's kind of like a normal office job, like meetings, you know, nine to five kind of thing, except you might go to a training and take some pictures. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes we have like appearances or like events or stuff that you're like, it's a lot of running around, but sometimes it just depends on the week. Like sometimes you're all over the place and sometimes you just stay in the office all day. Um, are there any players in particular that like are the easiest to get content of, or is that like a bad question oh my to ask? Gosh. Like, does that mean... <laughs> But like, you know how some people are just more like, yeah, more comfortable in front of the camera, like, yeah, and you could just tell based off their social media. So do you find it easiest to like work with certain players? Or is it just kind of like, Um, yeah, I mean, I think as a whole, the dash are very easy to kind of just pull content from depending on the day. Um, Shay will give us content for days. Um, A lot of the girls, you just put a camera in front of them and they just go for it. I mean, the ones that stick out to me, Gabby's warmed up. She's, she's taking a while, but Gabby's warmed up to the camera and I get great stuff from her. Shay has always been like constantly like a content machine. (laughs) Um, Jamia also content machine. Oh yeah. Works for the camera. She's so good. Um, a lot of our newer players like Makame and Michelle also love the camera. Um, Michelle's fun because she's newer to the team, but she has just warmed up so quickly. And it's just so funny getting, like just pointing a camera at her face, like poses immediately. Like awesome. it's, it's incredible. <laughs> but oh, and Hoopla, I can't forget Hoopla. Oh yeah, she's in like every, every reel, every TikTok. Yeah. Like she's, because she's the, like mainly because she's the, the one player who's like constantly doing TikTok. So I know like if I need something, I'm like, hey, <laughs> I was actually watching her TikTok earlier where she was like rating my teammates' memes and I was oh like, Oh my god, that was we stopped on the middle of our team was, walk to film that. It was, was actually it was really funny. It was great. So, a plus for that. Um <laughs> what has been your favorite game to work for the Dash so far? Okay, I have like one and a half, I guess, because I don't I don't usually travel, but um the first one was the Divas game in 2019 when we went to Mexico. I didn't travel. I worked the game from home, but like just that entire experience was so surreal. Just like everything leading up to it, them being there. Uh, I had a really good system with Paloma, who was our PR coordinator at the time, and Pai, who was our videographer, of like just them sending me any content they had. Like very, they were, we had a really good like understanding of like what I needed, what they would were able to get and like how fast I could get it. So it was, it, was, it worked out really great, but it, it was just so un, unreal to see them like at the Tigre Stadium playing an international game. Like nothing, like we, no one had ever played a Mexican team before in that capacity. Um, but yeah, it was just so cool to see those two teams just come together and do that. And to know that I was part of it in some, some way was like insane. But the other game that I actually worked and was there for would have to be our 
most recent game against the pride <laughs> because there were like 5 million things going on that day. Um, space race as we have named our little rivalry which I think is so much fun I think that um, is great I yeah. love it <laughs> yeah no it's it's been fun to work with that and then um what else oh it was pride night well against the pride it just happened that way <laughs> it was like our only game in June at home so. it was kind of comical actually like I think it's like happened to us multiple times too where like our only game that it works is like against the pride but I think it's hilarious <laughs> um and then I think that was, oh, it's Maria Sanchez's last game slash only game at home. So we had a lot of Tigas fans make the trip out, which was also really cool. And we also broke the prize unbeaten streak. So it was fun all around. A lot of, there was a lot going on. <laughs> there was. And the week leading up to it, there was, I think, on both ends of Dynamo and Dash, there were just so many things happening that I was like, I just need to get through this week. And we pulled off the win. I was like, like, you just need a win. And then I know. I got it. <laughs> I know. I was like, I couldn't ask for anything better right now. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I was going to ask a question and it slipped my mind. Happens to oh, with the, the WICC thing coming up, like how, like what is on your plate right now with that? Are you guys excited about it? Like what's, what's going on? Yeah, it's coming really fast. Uh, I did like, it's been in the back of my mind, just like coming up and like, obviously we've had a lot of conversations content wise on what we want to do when we get there, things like that. But I did not realize we literally leave like a couple of days and I have not done my laundry. So that's <laughs> my first priority. So you're um, traveling with the team for it? Yes, I am going. And our videographer, Logan, is also going for it. So That's it's awesome. super That's exciting. So I know. And we, I think, obviously, you want to focus on the fact that we're in this tournament. Like, it's pretty, it's a huge deal. And, like, we're yeah. playing quality teams. So it's going to be great no matter what. Um, but also, like, we have a week in Portland to do what we want to outside of training. Like, I think we are really looking forward to just getting some like interesting travel pieces out with the players and like kind of just playing off being stuck together for a whole week. Um, yeah, no, so that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be a good time and I'm excited to see what we can come up with while we're there. You guys should do like a travel vlog. I know we need to. That, I, would, it's, be so, that would be so cute. Yeah, no, I, I know Gotham does their little like post road trip vlogs too. And I think those are so cute. I love them. I love them. Yeah. It's like, it perfectly wraps it up. But like, if you just pass a camera on to the players and just be like, say something like, be I know. so fun. But um, one last question before we do some quick rapid fire questions, because those are always fun for me personally. I don't know how you guys <laughs> feel about it, but I just get to sit here and ask questions. So I love I it. I get stressed, but it's okay. <laughs> But um, what is like your favorite part about working for the Dash? Like, oh my gosh. Oh, the, I love the team so much. I really do. Um, I think we have a really great group of women and soccer players and just general human beings from the players to the staff to like the front office. Like, my marketing communications department has, I mean, like, I couldn't ask for a better group of people to work with. I think that's so important to me. And just like, to be able to come home and work for my hometown club has meant the world to me. Um, definitely was a dream of mine when I started college to come back home and do what I can to work for this club. And I did it. So it's kind of just like every day I'm like, I get to do this. And like, I worked my butt off to get here and I get to just like, hopefully kill it every day. <laughs> I don't know if I do, but it's just so. You definitely do kill it. You're <laughs> really you. great at your job. <laughs> Thank you so much. But I like, it's just so fun. And I 
hope I never lose that like I love my job type deal like it's very most days I don't feel like I'm going to work like obviously the early mornings and late nights are rough some days but I never dread waking up and getting to tweet for living so <laughs> I think every just everything about this club I think I've told you like five different things but <laughs> no I love that I love how like passionate you are about your job and how much you just seem to enjoy it because I feel like that's something that everybody should want everybody should love what they do and you sure. really do and you could just tell by the way you talk about your job so I love that thank you it's, it's great <laughs> <laughs> thank you so thank you so much for sharing all of that about your job and your love of the dash and so we're just going to do some quick rapid fire questions and then I'll probably say thank you a few more times and then we'll wrap this up <laughs> um, sounds good <laughs> so who was your favorite player growing up Oh, no, I had, okay, so I was the very, like, obviously, when I first got into soccer was Alex Morgan, because that was everyone's. A lot, a lot, a lot of respect for Lauren Holiday. Um, she worked so hard. She was so clutch. Um, everything about her career is like a dream. And now everything she's doing after her career is also a dream. Um, I think once I started getting into women's soccer, she was definitely my number one. Just, I have so much respect for her. And like our assistant coach at San Diego actually got to play with her. Uh, while I was still like starting off like as a fan I was like this is the coolest thing like this so is the coolest cool. thing yeah I'm so sad I never got to like see her play live like that will oh forever be one of the saddest things ever it's yeah she was incredible to watch just like even at club level I was like wow <laughs> <laughs> all right what's your favorite um the coffee that you like it's like the La Colombe is that how you oh say it oh my gosh yes the what's La Colombe uh, my favorite is the La Colombe draft latte with oat milk, just the plain one. And then I'll get the vanilla one if I don't have another option. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm a really big La Colombe girl. So if anyone knows anyone there and wants to sponsor me. <laughs> her, yeah. All right. So what's your go-to game day snack? Ooh. Oh, I'm not like, I don't really snack on game days now that I think about it. But I... Am a, this is gonna sound so bad. I am a sucker for fries. <laughs> I love French fries. It's okay. I love French fries so much. Like anyone who knows me knows that I'm down for any type of fries. So like if I'm running late or like don't didn't get lunch or something on game day, like it's like oh let's go stop somewhere and get some fries. <laughs> I really I feel that like deeply. I will do anything for French fries. Same. I'm so glad we're on the same page. <laughs> okay, so if you had to pick one pump up song for game days, what song would you pick? Ooh. or at least who would the song be by if you can't pick one oh, song definitely taylor swift like <laughs> it's embarrassing how many times i've rolled up there was multiple times when um i think when fearless dropped that i was like blasting oh. it to training and i pulled into the lot and i think one of the players pulled in like kind of like close to me and i was like oh i gotta go inside <laughs> you said all day i was like i can't do this <laughs> it's okay there's no shame in loving taylor swift this is true all right. And I don't know if this one might be a little controversial, but who do you think has the best game day fits? Oh. Uh, I, mean, I mean, no, none all... of them are going to listen to this. So like, you're <laughs> you not going to get in trouble, but you never know. Um, but I think everyone's really stepped up their game this year, all, just across the league uh, overall too. And like, I mean, some people are more consistent than others. I will say some people just, you know, the, the whatever day they're not feeling it and I respect it, but um, 
I think the most consistent fit that I, like person who comes in the fire fits would be Gabby Seiler. Um, love her outfits, love everything about her style. Uh, she's super cute. And then I think our, one of our new players, Michelle, doesn't miss, never misses. She is absolutely just like an app. She, she kills it. Like there's just no other person that I'm like, oh, you're, <laughs> you're coming in. Gabby definitely has very good fits, especially when her hair is braided. You know she means business. Oh my god, you know she's ready to go. Like I <laughs> love my favorite is if she posts like a selfie on her Instagram story um, before she comes to the stadium and it's like in her row fit. And I literally will look to our videographer and be like, "You're gonna be so excited for this! Like you're so excited." That's awesome. No, I remember they were um, on Twitter. People were talking about like how there needs to be like a NWSL fashion show because the fits yes. this season, like from the rain and Gotham and like just all the teams, like, but definitely Houston, the rain and Gotham, they really have top tier fits. I think Caprice mentioned that like the Gotham girls, like they all text each other before the game to see like what, what they're wearing so they can That's like coordinate. And I'm like, I love that. That's so cute. I don't know if our girls do that, but they, they come I, out swinging. So yeah, no, they, they are all amazing. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on here and recording this with me and just, you know, all this conversation that doesn't make sense. I'm really, <laughs> you know, it's been a long day. It was really hot out, but um, I'm right there you, with you. It's okay. Thank you again. Um, I really appreciate it. And before we completely wrap this up, just shout out real quick to her Etsy. What's your Etsy account? It is by Bianca B. Verar. Okay, guys, she makes really, really awesome stickers. And so you should definitely go and order some stickers from her because they're great. And I have like four of them <laughs> on my water bottle. So definitely go get some. And yeah, is there anything else you want to say before... I conclude this. Um, support the end of yourself, support your local team, support the league as a whole, and uh, we'll, we'll get to where we want to go. Exactly that. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really appreciate all the support. Just a reminder that next week there won't be an episode because of my move-in stuff, but come back in two weeks for a new one. Also, if you stuck around at this point, it means that you are dedicated and that you most likely entered my giveaway. So the giveaway winner is Nubia. So Nubia, I will message you on Twitter and we will sort out how you can pick your stickers. But quick shout out to Nubia, like literally the ultimate icon and supporter of my podcast on Twitter, constantly reposting, retweeting, sharing links. So thank you so much for that. Um, thanks for listening and remember, remember to follow on Spotify and follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh-huh.